guys, this is Craig Hostetler, and I'd like to welcome you to the Black Sheep Experience. Thank you. Uh, thanks for hanging out with me here on the podcast, man. I deeply appreciate you um, spending your time here, you know, being a part of the conversation, uh, being a part of the path. I, I deeply appreciate that. Uh, I think that I have a really great podcast for you today. Uh, Aditya J. Kumar is on, um, also known as AJ from My Seven Chakras. I had AJ on once before, and it was a I, it was a really riveting conversation. And so I was glad we've been trying to do this for a little bit, but I was glad to finally get him back on. And it's a really great conversation. I'm happy to I'm really happy to offer this to you. We talk about energy. We talk about Christ. We talk about um, magic. We talk about guilt and shame. We talk about healing. A lot of things are wrapped up in this conversation. And so I think it's really going to be, uh, I think it's going to be something stimulating and interesting and of value to you. And so I'm really glad that I had the opportunity to talk to AJ. Now, real quick, before we jump into um, the conversation, I think I say this almost every single podcast, but If you're not following the Black Sheep Experience on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, please go and do that. I would love to know that you're out there. I would appreciate the follow. It means a lot to me. And then in addition to that, share the podcast within your social media sphere of influence, right? Uh, Share it with those that are connected to you on your personal social media outlets Um, I don't do any advertising. I don't want to do that. I'd really like this to spread just organically in whatever way that it does. And uh, you're a big part of that. And so I would really appreciate that. Okay, so uh, Aditya J. Kumar, he's got an incredible podcast called My Seven Chakras. You can find him online easily, right? My7chakras.com. And he's on Facebook, he's on Instagram, he's all over the place. And uh, AJ is a really great guy. He, he, he's got a really nice soul about him, and he's very personable and friendly and caring. And so I was really glad to have the opportunity to bring him back and have an additional conversation with him. You know, it's funny because as I grow in my own spiritual experience, with which many of you uh, perhaps have witnessed um, the expansion of that, there have been different people along the way that have facilitated the ability to grow. And AJ is one of those guys, man. He um, there there have been several of them, but he's been one of those that has helped to alleviate fear and bring comfort and bring. I think um, history and science and experience to the expansion of my my own spirituality. And so I think that you'll find that to be true for you as well. So uh, without going on any longer, man, once again, thanks for being here. I'm happy to give this conversation to you. Let's jump into the conversation. Hey everybody, welcome to the Black Sheep Experience. Um, I am excited to have a returning guest, a good friend of mine, uh, AJ from My Seven Chakras. Hey man, how you doing? Doing good. How are you doing, Craig? 
doing very doing very well man it's good to see you good to see you too yeah so um i i, I love your podcast man you you know that already but um there's you've been putting out a lot of really great episodes so before we jump into that let's talk a little bit about uh what you've been doing there um yeah so i run a podcast called my seven chakras and been doing it for about five years now time flies uh, but, you know, over the years, done uh, 376 episodes, crossed 4 million downloads. Uh, and yeah, it's, uh, what I do is I have interesting conversations with people who are into practices like yoga, Ayurveda, Tantra, basically ancient practices for the modern mind. And the way that I got started was through an accident. <laughs> so about uh, in 2008, I had like a bad accident where it was, I was on the bike and I ended up crashing. So I ended up in the hospital and then a few months down, I realized that although I was able to heal to a certain extent physically, uh, from an emotional standpoint, from a spiritual standpoint, there was still some trauma that I had to work on and I was looking for a way to, to heal. And so meditation at that point did not come naturally to me because it was it seemed very elusive. And so I ended up going on YouTube and I came across chakra visualization and so just the visualization the way of breathing within 10 minutes i was able to experience a shift and i thought if this is possible for me in 10 minutes what else is out there and that sort of you know made me want to start the podcast and uh, one thing led to the other and here we are here we are yeah so what's interesting about that is um the way that you i guess connected with that chakra healing that was through meditation essentially yeah, that was through meditation as well as, uh, you know, so different forms of meditation. So meditation, but also using your breath in a certain way and visualizing. I think when you combine all of that, uh, it can really help you change your state. Because, you know, if you look at yoga, there are eight steps to yoga. And if you look at mm. yoga, the ultimate, if the goal of yoga is the ultimate union, which is the going beyond your ego mind and connecting with the universe around you, that's the eighth step. And the sixth and seventh step is meditation. So a lot of people jump straight to meditation. It becomes hard because it's not easy, right? To control the thoughts. There are so many thoughts going on in our mind, but mm -hmm. yoga has the blueprint. So what it says is don't jump straight there. First, learn to control your body, which is the asana, which is what we see a lot in the studios all around us, yoga, as we know it. But after that, there's also learn how to control your breath, uh, which is the pranayama, the breath work part of it. And mm -hmm. it's easier technically to control your breath compared to attempting to control your thoughts. But also it's really mm -hmm. powerful, which is what I found over the years. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting because um... I, I stumbled across a teaching today, actually, oddly mm. enough, about, um, I think it, it was called the eight limbs of, of Raja Yoga. Does, is that mm. right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so is that similar to what you're discussing? I know it's a little different, but it's in the same, um, I guess, territory, right? I believe it's the same. So this, uh, the eight limbs of Raja Yoga, eight limbs of uh, yoga as shared by Patanjali, who wrote a book about this. Mm although it was expounded much before the, than his times. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That name came up actually uh, along with um, uh, Vivekananda and, you know, some of the others that we are 
familiar with. So yeah, yeah. so I'm kind of diving into some of that. Mm. Um, and it's interesting because I've been, as you know, uh, my, my foundation is Christian. Mm. Um, and uh, we had a conversation before. I think that you, uh, your mother maybe mm. was Christian, right? Yep. Yep. Yes. Yeah. So you still have is. a lot of, still is. Yeah. So you have a lot of experience with that knowledge about that. Yep. Yeah. So, so that's my background, but I've, as I've yep. been expanding, mm-hmm. one of the things that I've been looking into are some of the um, practices that have um, magic within their system mm-hmm. and, you know, shamanism, witchcraft, all those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And meditation is a very heavy part of that. Yeah, which I found interesting because as a Christian, it was all just the devil, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but when you dive in, it's a lot more than that. Yeah, there's a lot of energy and, and mm. um, meditation and concentration and those kinds of things. Yeah. So when we talk about some of those, I don't know if you want to call them esoteric or um, just things different from evangelical Christianity. Yeah. Um, there's really a whole field of exploration out there that that doesn't have anything to do necessarily with um, even spirit. Mm. It's more of a, a very natural part of our world. Is, yeah. Am I am I right about that? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think I think all religions have a shamanic root, uh, right? Even Christianity, if you think about it, it has some level of shamanic heritage. All the people at a certain point chose to ignore that. Uh, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. what the shamans did essentially was they went out in nature and they connected with the universe and they were very curious and wanting to ask questions, not limiting themselves to rules and regulations and the status quo, but just going out there, connecting with nature, connecting with animals and realizing that, uh, yes, there's a universe there, but the universe within us is just a mirror of the universe outside of us. And I think through this, these trials and uh, testing and a lot of experimenting, they were able to discover some of the universal truths that are out there, which is, you know, stuff like meditation, stuff like movement and how it affects your body uh, and how certain, you know, like herbs and plants, when you consume it, how it influences our state and our physiology. And so I think these, these are commonplace, uh, whether you look at ancient India, whether you look at ancient Tibet, whether you look at ancient China, ancient Nordic countries, Right. There's a lot of similarities that one can draw is that people in general, the shamans, were very close to nature. And I think we should all go there as well. <laughs> yeah, that is interesting because um, so whenever we talk about shamanic roots, um, yeah. we're not talking. I think that for a lot of people in the West, when, when we hear the word shaman, we act, we immediately think of like the indigenous um, yep. Indian tribes and things. Yep. Yeah. But um, that's only a branch of it. I mean, what is shamanism really in its, at its core? Yeah, that's a wonderful question, right? It's like, it's very <laughs> true. When you think shaman, you think indigenous. But I had the other th- thought the other day. When you look at indigenous is like a person of that land. If you mm-hmm. really think about it, every person on this earth belongs to some land, right? Like right. In a way, every person is indigenous. It's <laughs> just that they're discovering and rediscovering and remembering their roots so you know somebody who is would consider themselves caucasian well they're from some land right maybe they're from ancient england or ancient nordic lands or they're from ancient rome Uh, and if you really look back then then you would see you know people worshiping 
the you know the the sun or the moon or certain deities that they were uh, trying to draw from and i think what people realize is there is a sense of energy around maybe you not call it god or goddess but mm -hmm. there are certain primordial energies that um, you know are so powerful that they can you know uh, really benefit and heal us like one energy that comes to my mind is fire i think fire is really respected and considered sacred and worshiped as well as feared in many places around the world and it's true you look at fire if you don't know how to work with fire you can burn yourself you can burn your house but if you know how to work with fire properly you can warm yourself you can make food uh, and you can protect your entire family from wild animals right uh, so mm -hmm. fire is one uh, you know the wind is the other uh, water is the other thing and all these elements i think they can destroy us but they can also purify us and that's the beauty uh, but to your question i think all of us in some way or the other are indigenous to some land on this earth and you know mm -hmm. we need to go back to our roots yeah so i mean really the the human experience and and even someone like um you know to take a pantheon from from my practice um even someone like jesus was very connected to mm. the land that he was in and we, we yep. see him working with nature all the time yeah um and, and i think we've we've robbed him a little bit of that um i, I guess that essence of, of who he truly was yeah um but in reality i mean we're all we are all very connected to everything around us you know one of the things i've been looking at is like quantum physics yeah and um it's really incredibly interesting because the the idea behind that is that we are all connected to everything literally mm -hmm. uh, around us everything is energy yeah uh, can we speak to that just a bit well absolutely and also to your point i do agree that jesus did connect with aspects of nature from time to time and if we don't read between the lines that we can get confused we might end up focusing on the wrong stuff but mm -hmm. things that come to my mind is if you remember when was it his uncle or somebody baptized him mm -hmm. and put him under the water and brought him up again he went in as one from but when he came out of the water he was a different being or an a different expression of himself and i think water is extremely purifying in india also if you look at the ganga which is the most holy river in india people spend their entire lives yearning to go to that to the ganges to the ganga and immerse mm -hmm. themselves because once the person who goes in is different the person who comes out is different because they are purifying their aspect their emotions their trauma their uh, uh, their their spirit all over uh, all together so that's one the other thing is the fact that you know jesus was in the desert right for how many days 40 days mm -hmm. and uh, it just speaks to the power of fasting right mm -hmm. we fast i do intermittent fasting i skip my breakfast but when people uh, stay away from food their body is able to utilize uh, the remaining food inside and really uh, you know you, you utilize the energy on stuff other than just digestion which could be sleep 
which could be boosting immunity, but more importantly, which could be accessing higher realms. And I think that that was one of the factors where he was in the desert, there was no food that allowed him to have spiritual connections with the universe. So that's something that's very, very interesting as well. Uh, but yeah, you asked me about how we are, are all connected. And yeah, I truly believe that we are all connected in one way or the other. Uh, but it's just this temporary separation that we have, this ego self, ego aspect of ourselves that keeps us in, in our comfort zone and in our confines. But, you know, practices like meditation and breath work, for a brief moment, give us a glimpse into what the truth is, which is we are all connected. We feel this joy. We feel this bliss. We feel this happiness as soon as we come out of a meditation, right? Uh, because we are mm -hmm. separated. We're not alone. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and there's, a, there's another really, I think, interesting part of that. So if we are energy and if everything around us is, is, is essentially energy, and I mean literally yeah. – the, the ground, the, the air, you know, um, I mean, it's all energy. Yeah. So, um, and the chakras themselves are energy centers located within us. Yeah. So one of the things I don't think that we probably do great with in the West is working with energy. Yeah. Uh, our own, the energy that surrounds us. Um, and, and there's some things about that that are confusing, even for myself. Yeah. For instance, um, there, there's inherent energy within breath work, uh, right? Uh, a prana, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. So, but I guess I don't understand why that is. It, it seems a little primitive, but I know people will attest to the way that it's changed their life. So, so what is that exactly? Yeah, that's a wonderful question. Um, so sometimes I feel that breathwork is not the apt word because when you say breathwork, what somebody who's new to breathwork will see, well, you're just breathing, right? Uh, right. Pranayama, on the other hand, suggests that not only are you breathing in and out air, but you're breathing in and out prana. And prana is a life force that nourishes us, gives us life, that makes us excited, that allows us to express our true self, our highest self. And so if you look at the Latin language, uh, when you want to say breathe in, you say inspirare, right? So okay. inspirare, which means that if you breathe consciously, you're getting inspiration, you're getting nuggets of wisdom, you're getting excitement, you're getting passion, you're getting joy. To breathe out is expirare, right? And so as the name suggests, when you breathe out too long, you expirare, you expire or you die, right? Mm. Uh, but in a form of breath work that I do, when you breathe out and you hold your breath, that's when you're able to press pause on your breathing. You're able to take a break, but you're experienced to, uh, you're able to uh, attain a state of blissful connection, which is priceless. You get to connect with your higher self, so to speak. Uh, but yeah, um, you know, when you just breathe consciously, when you take control of your breath, you can totally not just experience these higher states of being, but you can actually take control of your life. Now we can go further if you want, but that's the idea. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about, I guess a little bit about, so this is a, a practice that I'm really, really am interested in. And yeah. um, it does seem a little bit elusive to me. Mm. Um, yeah. You know, I think that there are depths to us that, that yeah. we can achieve through this. 
So yeah. how do you begin that? And, and, and what are the kind of the stages that you go through along that, along that path? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, my goal and my hope with this is to make it as tangible as possible. Because obviously there are two aspects to this, right? There's a spirit, but there's a science also. And there's an enormous amount of science that's coming out of the research that's been done in, within the field of breathwork. And to put it very simply, uh, we've got our autonomic nervous system, right? And so uh, you've got the sympathetic nervous system and you've got the parasympathetic nervous system. So the sympathetic nervous system is the fight or, fight or flight. Oops, sorry, there's some, okay. So, this, so the sympathetic nervous system is the fight or flight. So example, back in the day when we were, were in front of this saber-toothed tiger, <laughs> we, had to, we had to run. The energy cannot be in the brain. You cannot think and rationalize and analyze, wait, is this a good tiger or is this a bad tiger? Does this tiger have an ego or does, is this a tiger unconditional? <laughs> the tiger is going to eat you. So the focus has to be on your hands and your legs, right? You have to run. So then there's an aspect of our um, autonomic nervous system, which is called the parasympathetic nervous system. So let's say you are two kilometers from the, from the lion or tiger, you're safe. You cannot be in that state of stress all the time. You cannot be in a state of chronic stress all the time because guess what? Your energy now needs to go from your hands and legs into your stomach to digest, into your brain to rationalize and think and create and explore, right? So mm -hmm. our automatic autonomic nervous system is beautiful because back in the day, it was able to switch between sympathetic and parasympathetic. The problem now is that we are not running away from that tiger. We are running away from deadlines. We are mm -hmm. running away from our jobs. We are running away from people who are bullying us. We are running away from people who always keep us in a state of stress. Now that's challenging because this is chronic, right? You're, you're never in this position where you're finally away because your mind is always replaying those same narratives. And so in such a scenario, uh, we've been told that, no, you know what, you cannot control this aut autonomic part of your nervous system. But the truth is that you can. And you can't using the power of your breathing because our ancient elders figured out ways. So something as simple as, let's say in the evening, you're back home from work and you want to relax. You want to digest your food. You want to get really good quality sleep. How do you do that? Well, there's a certain type of technique uh, where it's called the two by four technique, where you're extending your exhalations. And when you extend your exhalations, what you're doing is you're stimulating the vagus nerve, which is the longest nerve in our body, starting from the brain stem, all the way to our throat, to our stomach, uh, through our chest, to our stomach. And vagus means wandering. So it's literally a nerve that's connected to all our different parts of our body because it's so long. If you stimulate this nerve, it's going to send a harmonizing signal all throughout your body, telling your body, hey, you know what? There's no tiger. Relax. <laughs> Go to sleep. So how do you stimulate it? Well, you, uh, firstly, it's very important to always breathe in through your nose, out through your mouth. So in through your nose, out through your mouth. So you're doing two counts of, two, uh, two of in-breath, four counts of out-breath. So in two, out two, three, four. In two, out, two, three, four. Now, when you extend your, your, your exhalation, that is the most effective way to stimulate your vagus nerve. Within three to four minutes, you will feel so relaxed. You'll feel so calm. 
you'll just fall asleep. Like yesterday I did that. I did that breathing because I was doing a live stream. I didn't realize that. Then I tried to do some work. I was so sleepy. You know, but it, it works, you know. So that's just yeah. one of the techniques, but there are different techniques to stimulate different aspects of your being. Let's say in the morning, you want to go to work, you want to be energized, you want to do well in that brainstorming session. Don't stimulate, don't do this breathing, do another form of breathing that will make you alert, that will activate your sympathetic nervous system, if that makes sense. Yeah, it, it does. Um, so... One of the things, so I've been studying some some witchcraft and some yep. magic uh, traditions yep. and exploring what it is that they actually believed as opposed to what I was told they believed, right? Right. right. And they, uh, they're they pretty eclectic where they borrow from just about every everyone that ever existed, really. So, yeah, yeah. but there's a lot of really interesting stuff in, um, and magic seems to be something, for lack of a better word, that was alive in almost every single culture. Yeah. Um, but one of the interesting things about it is the idea that everything is so deeply connected yeah. and that everything is energy. Now, now yeah. their idea is that, um, and obviously different, you know, there's different magical styles and, and some are, are more, uh, I would I would say crude or, or selfish, but there's others that believe that they can direct and work with the present energy around them. Yeah. Um, do, do you have a take on that? Because isn't that what you're doing when you're working with your chakras, essentially? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's a sense of magic within us. And I think for me it is. So magic to me is, is science, but science yeah. that's based on principles that we've not figured out yet. I like so, that. So yeah, to us it's please. magic because we don't understand what's happening, but it is happening. And I think the greatest form of magic, or at least one expression of it, is the fact that we as human beings have a lot of creation energy stored at the root of our spine. Mm. Now, this energy is potential energy, which means it's not reached its full expression yet. Um, and this energy is dormant. Some people call it the kundalini energy. Some people call it the in just the dormant uh, energy, the potential energy. And through uh, different practices like yoga, breath work, tantra, basically what you're doing is you're slowly but surely pumping that energy, allowing the energy to flow up your spine and into your third eye. The reason why you want to put it up here is because this is the pineal gland. It's the seat of intuition. It's the seat of manifestation. It's the, it's the place where you connect your inner desires to the outer reality so that you can match both of them. Now, mm. one of the biggest challenges that men have is fapping, right? Which, which is sort of masturbation. Now, to me, that, and what I've learned from tantric practices is that the energy that we have is so powerful that sex feels good but when you ejaculate, you're letting go of some of that magic. You're letting go of some of that uh, potential force. And if you ask the Taoists, if you ask some of the yogis, the tantric mm. practitioners, they're like, use these practices, but don't let it out. But instead, channel that or transmute that raw sexual energy into other forms of creation. So... Some of the best artists, some of the best creators are, were able to effectively convert that raw 
the Taoists called this Jing. So they were able to convert this Jing force into Shin force, the more subtle forms of energy, which could be a painting, which could be a beautiful building, which could be a new business. It could be something else, but a, but a pure creative expression of yourself, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. Yeah, so that's, that's latent energy alive yeah. within every single one of us. Yeah. And in fact, um, so the, the yogis would, um, I mean, this was part of, I, I don't want to say it was their reason for being, but this was a huge part of their practice yeah. and their escalation to enlightenment and, and own workings within their own body. Yeah. So, but that's something that's not, you know, we call it magic because that's just the word that we gave it. Mm -hmm. And and I think that sometimes that's unfortunate because so many people have, uh, I, I guess that it's, um, you know, to them that word is bad, right? Yeah. But the reality is, I mean, there is, magic is just a label. And, yeah. and so it's no, but the, the truth is it's, it's energy that's, it's very natural part of us. It's, it's deep within us. And yeah. there's really no reason. I mean, this, this energy can be, uh, healing as well, right? Oh, for sure. It is healing yeah. be because when you are, you know, taking that energy up your spine, you're not just taking the energy from A to B. You're not just taking the energy from your root till, you know, your, 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 your crown. In, on the process, you're going through a journey because over the years, especially, uh, you know, from your birth to the first seven years as a child, our brains are in a state that's called hypnagogic state, which means we are literally like a sponge. We're absorbing ideas and concepts and, uh, you know, perceptions and outlooks. And for the most part, our parents form our sense of reality. And so if we have a negative experience or if we have experienced a trauma, which is very likely, or if we experience an abuse, we don't rationalize it logically, right? We mm -hmm. might not even process it properly. And we might be giving it a story that's not really empowering us. And these form blocks, these form stagnant energy, these form imprints, and these literally form like an uh, like a ear flap, like some of the horses have, which guide our way of life. And so, when the energy is coming up, it is attempting to burn through all these imprints so that you can reprogram your, you know, your worldview. And, mm -hmm. and, and come out a transformed human being. So that's the idea. Self-transformation, self-realization is the idea. And it's a journey. <laughs> yeah, that's, I, you know, man, I, the, I, I talk a lot about um, the superimposed ideas yeah. that rest on our mind, you know, right. the, the things that, that, that people imposed upon us that now, you know, we, we just think, well, that's real, you know, yeah. um, whatever yeah. it is, you know, it doesn't matter, but, but it's a negative thing that's holding you back from, from life. Very now, true. so many of these, um, practitioners, their brain waves. <laughs> I just saw, a, a, um, a special on, on the Gaia channel about this. So their, their brain waves actually function at a little bit different level. Yeah. And that's where energy really moves. But mm -hmm. you, you sort of have to get to that place where you, I don't know, uh, become available to that maybe or yeah. yeah, is that fair? Yeah. I mean, when it comes to brainwaves, it's such an interesting topic, but 
you know, most of the time during the day, our brain is in what is called as beta, right? So mm -hmm. beta is where you have a little bit of stress, you're actively thinking, um, you know, you're very logical, right? You're very rational because you want to get from place to place A to B, you don't want to cross the road when the signal, when the you know, light is red and, you know, you, you'll be literally <laughs> right. attacked by a car. So you have to be very logical, <laughs> right? Uh, right. But when we are in a state of meditation, when we are more relaxed, we, our brain goes from beta to alpha. That's, you know, more, uh, I'd say more, you know, more, uh, so the frequency is a little bit lower. When we mm -hmm. go into deeper states of meditation, we go into what is called theta. Now the theta uh, state of uh, brain is where it's sort of like this hip hypnagogic state, which I mentioned earlier, where we're able to really absorb new content, new concepts, new ideas, but also you're able to let go of stuff that is no longer serving you. You're able to reprogram your mind, so to speak. And it's a very powerful state of the brain. And then further than that, all the way down is Delta, which I believe is what you experience when you're in a deep state of sleep. Um, so yeah, I mean, the, the, the idea then of meditation, of yoga, of breath work is to gradually, systematically, slowly take your brain, lower the frequency so that you're able to be in this state of self-hypnosis. I mean, hypnosis is doing the same thing. It's basically what it is, is it's reducing the frequency of your brain, getting it to uh, theta, so that you're able to reprogram your mind, clear off all the negative imprints, and really transform your life. And then there's another state, which is called gamma, which is the highest state of frequency. It's higher than beta as well. And gamma mm -hmm. is what you would associate with people who are in a flow state. Right? People like painters and artists and creators who don't really have to think about what to paint. They are in a different state altogether, and they are in a tunnel, they are flowing. They are going from one idea to the other. They are letting their brushes unfold. Um, and I think that is, uh, there's definitely a process. Every artist has his or her, her own process, but it's definitely fantastic to watch how it unfolds. Yeah, and so when we get to that state, I mean, that's when we have the, our, our, our greatest creative power. Yeah. Uh, I, would, I would assume the deepest sense of peace and, and clarity um, and one of the things that I watched in the, in the special is that the, these yogis now, of course, they've been doing this for a long, long time. Right. But they can get to that state. I mean, almost just at will, Yeah. but for a, for a beginning practitioner of meditation, that's, that's a process, right? Yes, absolutely. And it is a process for sure. And the reason why people who try to attempt meditation initially, find it hard is because it is hard. It is step number six and seven in the pathway of uh, Samadhi or the pathway of uniting with the universe around you. And that is why people who do breath work, yogic breath work, pranayama, are able to experience these states even more easier. I mean, I do these Zoom sessions on Sunday mornings, where, you know, where we do these uh, multiple rounds of breath work. And you'd be surprised that people, even for the first time, they're able to see colors. They're able to mm -hmm. experience states because we're doing the breath work, the conscious breathing, but we're also doing what is called the breath holds. When you hold your breath in a certain way, you are influencing 
so many different physiological functions in your body that you can't help but experience these states. And also, the practice that I do is called a Soma Energized Meditation. And that includes um, certain types of music that is not only uplifting, but it is scientifically engineered to, to you know, uh, change your brain frequency. And so you're able to enter these altered states much more easily. So it's, I think it's more geared towards beginners because you're not just using your breath, but you're using uh, intention setting, but also the music. The music makes a huge difference. So these are altered states of consciousness, essentially. Absolutely. <clears throat> All right. So something I, wanted, I, I didn't know about and I want to I wanted, uh, ask you about. So these Sunday morning Zoom sessions, what is that exactly? Give me some details. Yeah. So uh, the Sunday morning sessions are an opportunity to first connect with community. A lot of us are stuck at home during this pandemic and for the most part restricted from the social connection that keeps us alive. We're used to meeting mm -hmm. friends and family and going for dinners, but you know, things are improving, but for the most part it is restricted. And so the, this is an opportunity to connect with people around the world on Zoom live. We do a mixture of things. So we do one of the things we do is we do what is called an ambidextrity dance along with ecstatic shaking. If you see around the world, when a dog wakes up, the dog is shaking. Animals shake, but humans, for some reason, we want to look good. We want to look normal. And so we don't shake. Shaking helps you release a lot of the trauma, stuck, stagnant energy that has collected in your body, especially over the night when you're sleeping. And so we start with that. There's a lot of shaking. You'll see people initially, they're a bit shy, but then they, you know, they, they let it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this has the effect of warming you up. This has the effect of getting those wonderful juices like dopamine and serotonin and oxytocin going in your body. You, you feel happy, but also you're beyond your comfort zone. Then we might do some different yogic styles of breathing, alternate nostril breathing. Not sure if you've done it already, but what that does is it clears your nasal passage, allows you to smell better, but also it balances both you know, hemispheres of your body. Then mm -hmm. we might do uh, a deep uh, meditation uh, breath work, which helps you really relax and harmonize your body. Similar to what I mentioned in the start, the two by four, which mm -hmm. activates your parasympathetic, uh, the rest and digest part of your being. And we do a lot of breath holds. So the breath holds, like I said, help you activate your stem cells. <clears throat> now, if you know the stem cells in our body are magical cells, so to speak, because they're able to transform into any other type of cells, hair cells, bone cells, organ cells. But the stem cells do not like a lot of oxygen. They don't like high concentrations of oxygen because of which they go inside our bone marrow and they're literally hiding there. But through yoga, through systematically reducing the oxygen level in your body, for a short period of time, the stem cells are able to proliferate, roam around your body and do cellular healing and cellular repair. And over a period of time, there are scientific studies, peer-reviewed studies that suggest that if you do these practices over an extended period of time, you can live longer. And I'm sure every one of us wants to not only live longer, but also have better quality lives, right? And so that's what we do on uh, Sunday morning. So how do people get involved in that? <clears throat> uh, well, to get involved, you can just, uh, you know, join my Facebook group. That's where we have these wonderful conversations and I make announcements for our, um, for our sessions as well. Okay. That sounds amazing, honestly. 
Yeah. So I'd love to invite you for one of our sessions. <laughs> yeah, I would love to sit in on and yeah and be a part of that. Yeah. I really do believe that there's um, a lot of value to this, and I, and I do deeply, you know, throughout the the uh, course of my life, I've I've always been very um, in tune with energy um, of, of plants or trees or the energy that's in the the air. Um, in in fact, I I used to um, say to my wife a lot, just just feel the air, you know, yeah. feel it, feel the what's in there, you know, um, not realizing that I was connecting with the energy. And in fact, I can't remember. Uh, it's a book I have on Buddhism. I think it's Han, but but he says um, if we can connect with the energy in the air, we are connecting with the ground of being. Hmm. that created that energy, which is God. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and I thought that was really cool because that's what I experience as well. Right. So, so to bring that around a little bit now, you know, my tradition, and I, I know a lot of people get upset with me because I, I, um, I'm derogatory towards it at times, but my tradition has a lot of fear, especially hmm. since it became colonialized. It has a lot of fear, hmm. um, within it. Mm -hmm. So, um, these practices that we're talking about, they were very much a part of the um, area and people yeah. that that tradition stemmed from. Fair, is yeah. that a fair statement? Yeah, I'd say yeah. so. So, so, so the fear is really unfounded um, when it comes to somebody saying, oh, I mean, I, I literally had a guy tell me once, Oh, you don't want to do yoga. I mean, you, you are literally calling demons into your body. <laughs> so, mm, yeah. So how do we deal with that fear <laughs> from an intellectual level? <clears throat> yeah, that's a good question. And I think for the most part, fear stems from two things. <clears throat> One, you have fear because you've experienced something. You've touched something that's hard and it, you know that it's hard. You're not going to do it the next time. So you fear that. The other fear is fear of the unknown. Right? Mm -hmm. And for a lot of people, it's fear of the unknown because they don't want to meet the devil. Like, I don't want to meet the devil, right? And so <laughs> if we learn to agree with them and find out why they fear it, we can, you know, once we are on the same platform, it's easier for them to listen to us, right? The moment right. we tell them that, hey, you know what, your fear is not confounded, they still at an emotional level have that fear. And so for me, it's like understanding where that fear is coming from. That's when they can relax. They, are, they mm -hmm. now know that you get them, right? They now know that you don't think they're stupid because nobody thinks they're stupid, right? Everyone has a reason for believing what they do because mm -hmm. of something that they've heard. Or So I think engaging in conscious dialogue is the first step in saying, why do you like, okay, forget about yoga. Tell me, why do you fear that? Tell me where you're coming from. What have you heard? Right. And so that's the first step. And then once we know where they're coming from and what they want, maybe they are genuinely looking out for healing. And maybe if we change the words out a little bit, because words can have different meanings, right? Because you've alluded to, right? Magic to me yes. might mean something. Magic to you might mean something, which is why I think they changed the, the spelling of this form of magic with a K so that people associate it with a different form of magic. And so I think if we change the words out a little bit and maybe call yoga, maybe say, it, say it's asana, maybe you call it uh, body movement, maybe you say movement, 
and just get them to experience it, then they have like a tangible relation to that practice, right? Then you can call mm-hmm. it whatever you want. They enjoy mm-hmm. it. They see the shift. They feel the surge of these feel-good chemicals. After that, you don't have to convince them. They themselves will convince you. Hey, why don't, let's go for yoga Sunday morning. <laughs> yeah. And I think yeah. uh, Joseph Campbell once said, maybe the meaning, maybe what we're seeking is not the meaning of life. We're see, seeking the experience of being alive. And a lot of people get caught mm-hmm. in logically trying to rationalize and find out the meaning, but that's not really doing much for them. What they need is the experience of having all these beautiful state changes from within. Once you feel mm-hmm. happy, once you feel joyful, once you feel ecstatic, you feel limitless, right? Uh, once you feel limitless, well, nothing's really stopping you. And that's, I think, what we all deserve is to feel limitless, is to feel connected with everything and everyone around you. Yeah, one of the things you mentioned early on is that the the universe outside of us, yeah, in many ways, is uh, connected to or a, a reflection of the universe within us. Yeah, and so so much of our energy, so much of our power, so much of our ability to create in this form um, has to do with the work that we've done yeah. internally. Yes. Uh, and I think that a lot of people, especially once again, you know, with a Western mindset, we are in accomplishment mode, which mm-hmm. means I've got to see, you know, see it on the right. paycheck. I got to hold it. But actually, the, the greatest power is when we begin to, um, I think, begin to have some success with the internal us. Yeah. Is that yeah, and, and that, that goes through meditation and all those kinds of things. But mm. so as we begin to change internally, does that then affect the world outside of us? Yeah, I mean, uh, that's so hard to do, right? Because mm-hmm. the feedback that we get from around us is so believable. What we hear in the news, what people tell us, what people call us, what we see in the mirror is so tangible and believable that what is inside is, is, is still subtle and, and unbelievable. And one of the steps of yoga, like we were discussing, right? Different steps, eight steps. One of the steps is pratyahara, which means drawing within, which means uh, depending less on the external stimuli, that is what you're getting from these senses and going within and activating your extra sensory power. Uh, And that's hard to do. It requires a practice. One of my favorite authors in the law of attraction space is Neville Goddard. I'm not, I'm not sure if you heard about him, but he Mm -hmm. was, he he was one of the first guys who came up with these concepts and he drew largely from the Bible and he was very interesting. Yeah. And he was, uh, he was in, that was 1940, 1930s, I think like way back. Uh, But his concepts are so solid. way better than some of the newer concepts in the law of attraction space. But what he said was, um, your universe is your imagination pushed outwards. Mm. Your universe is your imagination pushed outwards. And what that implies is that all of us should not really go blindly by what we're seeing around us. Because what we're seeing around us is literally a manifestation of a thought or an intention or a subconscious emotion that we might have felt months back or even years back. That's just the seeds that we you know, planted and those mm-hmm. have manifested. So 
What's more important though, is what are the seeds that we're going to plant today, right? Um, if we close our eyes, hold that intention, but more importantly, amplify those with our emotions and believe that it's true, then that there's no doubt that that will manifest in our life. It'll take time <laughs> because mm -hmm. uh, the relationship between our conscious and subconscious mind, they say, is like that of a husband and wife. So your, your wife is your subconscious mind. Your husband is the conscious mind because you are literally planting the seed, so to speak. Even from a sexual standpoint, you're planting the seed and that, like a baby, unfolds and, 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 and births out. But you mm -hmm. can't force your wife, right? Right. <laughs> you you got to do it out of love and give her the time and the space to germinate and to birth your dreams or to birth your desires or to birth the best version of yourself. And mm -hmm. so it takes patience. It takes a lot of faith for this to come out, but it will come out because you already have set the intentions and you are giving it life through the power of your emotions, which is why coming back to the same point, it's so important to do practice, practices like breath work because it's not just what you think, but it's how you feel. He, he wrote an entire book called Feeling is the Secret. So how you feel is such an important concept uh, and is such an important factor in the whole manifestation process. Yeah, there's a couple things I want to ask you before uh, before I, I let you go. So um, yeah. one of the things I want to I want to talk to you about is, you know, there's a lot of people out there that um, through whatever conditioning, whether yeah. it was cultural or their parents or or religion or whatever, they really <clears throat> they they they, they want to be happy. Mm. You know, um, yeah. and I'm not talking happy in, you know, everything's just perfect because I don't, I think that most thinking people realize I'm always going to have complications, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, life is suffering. Buddha said, so I, I, I agree with that totally hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. But, uh, uh, the Buddha also believed that there were ways that we could experience joy within yeah. this world. Yeah. So. Um, I think that there's a lot of people that want to be happy. And part of that is probably through surrender. Yeah. Um, but do we discover that in these type of practices that you're talking about? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, to your point, yoga says, so, you, the, so the ancient elders would often look at the sky. They would look at the stars. They would look at the moon. And they would try to study the universe. And what they discovered is something really interesting. They gave the universe or the nature of the universe, a name that's called Sachit Ananda. And what that really means is Sat means truth. Chit means consciousness. And Ananda means joy. And what they discovered was that the universe is in an eternal state of joy. Through these practices, they discovered that we are nothing but an aspect of the universe. And so if we are an aspect of the universe, then we are nothing but joy. And not just joy now, but joy eternally. What, what you're saying is true, that obviously we, we are going to come through struggles and challenges and obstacles because we are beings of growth. And when we, if we have challenge in our life, it, is me, it means we are growing. We're evolving. We're having an opportunity to grow. But happiness and joy are not conditions of our being. They are choices that we make every morning. We make a choice, we make a decision 
to feel joyful. And these practices help us unlock these states of joy that are always within us. After just 10 minutes or 20 minutes of breathing consciously, of doing this breath work, you can't help but unlocking that state of joy within. Because you are secreting dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin. And guess what? This mm. is not just about joy. Our body has an inner pharmacy. We have an inner medicine man or medicine woman, an inner shaman. When we engage in these practices, you are secreting these beautiful healing hormones or healing chemicals that will heal your cells, repair your cells, and uh, you know, heal your entire being, your body. Um, mm -hmm. you know, it's beautiful because we're not just feeling good, but you're also healing yourself. Obviously, if somebody has an acute issue, then you need allopathy, you need some pills, you need some injections to immediately sort out the situation. But when it comes to chronic disorders, that's when you need these beautiful practices like meditation and Qigong and, and breath work. Mm. I love Qigong, but also breath work, which will help you within minutes experience a change of state. So it is possible. It is very, very much possible. Yeah, there's so many things I want to ask you. But so, so Qigong, since you brought it up, right? Uh, this this is another form of working with the inherent energy that's within us, right? Yep, yep. So so is I, I realize there's movements and things like that involved, yep. but is it? Are you working with a different energy, or are you working with the same energy as you would with yoga? Same energy, the same energy, but you're giving it different names, right? I mean, chi, prana, in Japan it's ki. Uh, mm -hmm. But the idea is the same. The idea is that we have this life force within us that gives us life. And the life force is moving through different meridians and channels. There are about 72 meridians. That's what they mapped out back in the day. And the three biggest meridians are the Sushumna, which is the, the, the main channel that connects our root to our crown. And then you've got these uh, Ida and Pingla, which are sort of the well, not the main, but these meridians that are crisscrossing along the Sushumna, sort of like a double helix. And if you look at the medical industry, you do have a double helix, right? I forgot mm -hmm. what it's called, but there's definitely a name. If you look at ancient Egypt, you have that double um, you know, tetrahedron, right? And you, if you look yeah. at all these ancient places, they knew the symbol, they, they knew the importance of these energy meridians. And so to your point, when you're doing Qigong, you're using movement and you're using breathing and you're using your intention to move your energy once again. It's very simple. Uh, when your energy is stagnant, when it is stuck, that leads to discomfort. If you don't do anything about it, that leads to illness. Don't do anything about it, that leads to disease and death. But the beauty is that you can get the energy to flow once again. And that starts mm. by some movement where you're calming your mind you're relaxing your nervous system, and then you're attaining a state of bliss and happiness. But that, that does, does not mean that you don't have any problems. It's just that you're looking at those same problems differently. And Wayne Dyer once said, when you change the way you look at things, the, the things that you look at, the same things that you looked at before, those begin to change as well. Because you're mm -hmm. looking at it from a different perspective, from a different vantage point, from a different state of being. So it's powerful. Yeah. It, so uh, probably last discussion here, but but I gotta I gotta pick your brain on a couple of things here. Oh yeah, of course. So 
you uh, grew up in, in a, a, a household that was, um, had a little bit of mix whenever it came to culture and religion. Yeah. So you know quite a lot about the Bible. You brought it up a few minutes ago. Yeah. You know quite a lot about uh, Jesus as well. Yeah. So not everybody looks at those pieces of that piece of literature and that individual the same. Yeah. It doesn't mean they don't believe in them or the, or the message that's within them, yeah. but they view them a little bit differently. So um, let's talk a little bit about some of those alternative ideas that I know mm. that you're pretty familiar with. Yeah. Um, we can start with Jesus or you can start with the Bible, whichever one is more you know, interesting okay. to you at the moment. Yeah. I mean, I think Jesus was, a, was an ascended master. There's something very sentient and powerful about him. He always spoke about unconditional love, whether it's for animals or human beings, forgiveness, kindness. He did a lot of healing, healed people, whether it's from leprosy or being blind. Um, and so whether or not you believe in the entire church, I do encourage people. Like I've got a one-on-one -on -one relationship with Jesus for sure because mm -hmm. I draw a sense of healing, a sense of um, love from Jesus. I don't know what that is, but it's definitely there. And I think mm -hmm. that there's a lot about Jesus that we don't know yet. And when we do find out, we'll be enamored by his magnetic presence. I feel a lot of stuff has been hidden, but when it does unfold, it's going to be wonderful. Well, we know that there's definitely some things um, that have been hidden. And, yeah. you know, I, I'm not, I'm not, I, I don't think anybody should be offended by this, but the reality is that as, as the religion grew yeah. and became um, a religion, yeah. there were things that, that uh, the powers that be did not want the people to know. They and so know, yeah. a lot of those things were hidden. So do you want to share a couple of those with us? Um, well, one of the things that I think was hidden, especially during the Council of Nicaea mm -hmm. was the idea that we as human beings are sovereign. We as human beings are eternal, um, mm -hmm. right? So I think at a certain point, they did not want humans to realize how powerful they truly are. Uh, and they wanted to keep the power outside somewhere. Mm -hmm. And I think if you read the Bible from time to time, you would realize that Jesus didn't want did in, in fact want us to realize that we have a, an aspect of God within ourselves. Um, yeah. And the, the, when we say that, some people might feel it's blasphemous, but the truth is that once we realize that we have God within ourselves, it becomes much more easier to realize and recognize God within others. Mm -hmm. It all comes back to love. You can't love somebody unless you love yourself. Right? Self-love is the most important thing. In the airplane, you can't help somebody unless you put the oxygen mask on your own mm -hmm. self. And what better way to then to declare that you are God or you have an mm -hmm. aspect of God within your own self. If there's an aspect of, of God within yourself, you won't have that junk food. <laughs> mm -hmm. right? Because you realize how, how sacred this vessel is. Uh, if you realize that you're an aspect of God, you won't be judgmental on other people you won't call the other people's names you will find an opportunity to be kind to others as well because you are god and you you have something to live up to right mm -hmm. so i think that's one 
message that definitely Jesus wanted to pass. Uh, but there are so many other messages also, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, one of my favorite passages, and, and it became more so as I as my um, as my spiritual life expanded but yeah there's a section of scripture where jesus is talking to his disciples yeah. and he asks you know who do people say that i am and a couple of them you know gives a few answers they say this they say that and then he asks well who do you say that i am and and peter says you know you're you're the messiah you're the son of the living god and jesus says i think something so great because he says flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, but my father in heaven. And, and so when you look at that, what Jesus mm. is saying is you, you, your own mental capacity didn't come up with this. You didn't deduce this from putting things together and, th and teachings. You literally had a divine spark within you that yep. spoke it deep within. And what's great about that is um, from a theological standpoint, Mm. Um, because we're so pre and post conversion in our religion, but this is before any of that. And Peter see, still seems to be able to hear from God, the father and God, the father is still speaking to common mm. man. Mm. And so I just love that because I think that so many of us, myself included, spend a large majority of our life feeling very disconnected from, from love. Yeah. from divinity, from the, the essence of God that surrounds us. Yeah. And that, that separation is toxic. Very toxic. Very toxic. Yeah. Yeah. When I was a kid, I used to go to the church. And uh, one thing that always affected me is that uh, priest would say that we are all sinners. Mm -hmm. And deep down, I knew that I didn't do anything. Why am I a sinner <laughs> as soon as I'm born? Like, give me a chance yeah. here. <laughs> and the other thing is uh, also the fact that they only focused on the death of Jesus, but only once yep. or twice, once in a year would be the focus on his resurrection. Mm -hmm. I mean, to my point, they should focus on, you know, the fact that he did resurrect all year round. Why mm -hmm. focus on, right? So that was just my thought standpoint because of my inherent belief that words have power. If you make a person feel that you're a sinner, they will feel like they're sinners all throughout their life. And that's going to manifest in their interactions and in their outlook and as well, how they relate to money, right? That's such an important thing. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, I think, uh, you know, we need to remember that we are not sinners, that we are precious beings and souls, and that we have an opportunity to decide our fate through our actions, through our intentions, through our behaviors. Uh, no matter where we are in our life, whether we've committed a mistake or wrong, we have within ourselves a power to change change it through some conscious action. So, mm -hmm. It's it's a beautiful world we live in. We live in. <laughs> it, it is, yeah. It, you know, and and I I I'll tell you. You know, I'll be honest with you. Um, so, you know, I came up through, um, obviously a, a like the the Bible Belt. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And I had a lot of conflict through the years. Yeah. Not loving God, but but being upset with the things that were said about Him. Yeah. And um, I always had that very a very deep intuition. Maybe I couldn't prove it, but, but when I heard it, I, I, I knew that's not right. That, that's, that's not right. right. 
you know? And so as I begin to become more expanded and I'm working on this, okay. But as I begin to expand more and, and I was now at an age where I could intellectually put the pieces together. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't just intuition, but it was also intellectual. Yeah. I, I noticed um, that I started to become, and I still am, uh, upset mm. with the dogma. Yeah. Uh, upset with the people that created it. Yeah. And, um, you know, that, that has been a little bit of a struggle for me right. to move past that. Yeah. I know that's unhealthy. But, but yeah. it's, it is something that I'm dealing with. Yeah, that's such a hard thing to go through, right? Um, mm -hmm. Because you realize how precious and powerful these concepts are. But for some reason, somebody or some groups created these dogmas. I mean, I think you're not the only one. A lot of people are going through this. Uh, even in mm -hmm. India, something different but similar, right? I mean, the fact that I realized that India was such a magnificent country. We had yoga, we had tantra, we had Ayurveda, but literally for a thousand, for a thousand years, we were conquered by some, you know, other um, people. Mm -hmm. And we were literally made slaves. We were made to forget our own heritage we were made to think that yoga is of the devil and a lot of, a lot of Indians still today, because there is this colonial indoctrination so much that we, we feel that our own uh, ancient history is not true. Um, so I, it hurts me uh, in 2018 when I discovered the truth, I myself was hypnotized, but when I discovered the truth of how beautiful our own land is, our own people are and mm -hmm. how rich our own country was, it hurt me to just see what was done for thousands of years. But what I realize is you can't do anything about it, right? You can't do anything about what happened in the past, but what we can do, what is it within our control is we can do our best to shine love, unconditional love, um, spread information, spread wisdom, and connect with people who genuinely are seeking the truth. Um, mm -hmm. It is in your hand and in my hand that now that we have the mantle you know, this responsibility of sharing the truth that we do do our best part so that we can make a little difference in the lives of others and think about how empowered and how free and liberated and sovereign a person would feel once they now know the truth that you know. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, we, we, there's definitely some hope. Yeah. That's the whole thing with my podcast, you know, is, is just that if somebody is looking for that information, yeah. It's, it's out there, you know, yeah. so they don't, so for, for me, so much of it was, was really grappling, you know, yeah. uh, searching through ancient texts or, or, or somebody would mention a book and then I got to try to find that book, you know, yeah. and, and all of that. And yeah. so when I started the podcast, I'm, I just thought, I'm just going to brain spill, you know, everything that I know. Yeah. To, to, to try and make that transition for so many people. I don't know, a little more informed and, and perhaps easier, you know? Yeah. It's so hard for you also, right? Because this topic is so emotional. Yeah. When you, when you find out something that is not, that is a little contrary to what the actual status quo is, people feel that they, you are attacking them, right? Yep. Because they take it personally. And, and I'm sure you must have come across like hateful yes. comments, Still emails. Do, but, yeah. <laughs> It's hard. <laughs> yeah. 
It is hard, yeah. But, you know, that's part of the process, I, I think. You know, one of the, I think as you begin to open up and you, for instance, like, um, well, so I opened up a book on Wicca, right? And I thought, well, mm. you know what? I, I, let's just see what this is. I don't even know what this really is, you know? Yeah, yeah. Not everything obviously resonated with me because I'm monotheistic, but so many of the practices, some relating to, to nature, relating to, uh, oh, oh, just so many of the things that they do, you know, grounding and, and all those kinds of things right. resonated deeply with me. And why, why shouldn't those be a part of our practice, you know? Yeah. And I think as you begin to learn that, well, you know, there's nothing inherent about uh, following the cycles of the moon or, or even some aspects of astrology or magic or yoga. These things are very healthy and they resonate deeply within me. So I, I, do, I do think that it creates more joy within me. Mm. Um, but it also makes me a little more frustrated whenever some of my well, people that were close to me at one time think, well, he's just gone off the deep end, you know? Mm. And, uh, but I think that's part of our conditioning because Christianity as it is today, and it wasn't always this way, but it is just a religion of so many absolutes and that's not how it started, but yeah. you know, that's where it's at today. And I, I think people need to learn that uh, what I don't know, um, it, could potentially be holding me back. I mean, you experienced that when you expanded, right? Yeah, for sure. It's funny how you see some scientists as well that are so absolute. I mean, I think science has become a religion, if you know what I mean. I think uh, archaeology has become a religion, right? Whenever people associate their version of truth with their identity to such an extent that when we have new truth, they're not able to change their belief systems because their whole identity, their whole career is connected to that version of the truth. That becomes a a religion, right? Yeah. And I think what people need to have is a seeking spirit rather than a believing spirit. A seeker is somebody who is open to the truth, open to different mindsets, different, different viewpoints. And I think that sort of spirit or mindset will allow a Democrat to have a con conversation with a Republican. We'll mm-hmm. allow a person who is a masker to have a conversation with somebody who's not wearing a mask. I mean, I think as human beings, we need to be able to engage in conscious dialogue and debate and not avoid the topic. Mm-hmm. Because in doing so, you can get to know something about the other person. But maybe because if you didn't have some information, you can grow to the next level. So, you know, I don't avoid yeah. debate and discussion but I detach my emotions from it so that you can mm-hmm. learn something out of it, right? Yeah, it's interesting. I, I just finished a book called Real Magic by uh, a guy named Dean Radden. Okay. And um, he talks about uh, magic and he talks about uh, case studies that he's done to prove it. But he has mm. a, se- a section in there on science and right. it's why we can't believe science. <laughs> and he talks about just what you said, yeah. that there there are things within science uh, that aren't truth, but they are standards that will not be changed. And so it's so interesting that you say that. It's the same. People say that science has changed, but pretty much what happened to Galileo is happening now. Well, they, 
beheaded Galileo or, you know, there was capital punishment. But see what's happening now. And if somebody goes against science with a lot of proof, he's going to be, he or she is going to be ostracized by his entire scientific community. Yep. They're, they're going to disown him. They're going to publicly shame him. He's going to be stripped off all his titles and his job. He's not going to find a job anywhere else. Right. What's the point of living if you don't have a job, if you don't have respect in society, and if all your colleagues ostracize you? Isn't that worse than death? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's, that's the challenging part, right? A lot of these uh, people are like well-renowned scientists and doctors, as well as uh, archaeologists are uncovering truths that we might not have considered. And unfortunately, I think in combination with politics and mainstream media, they're getting mm-hmm. buried, right? So mm-hmm. I, like, what do you do about it? It's so unfortunate. The good thing is that because of social media, a lot of people are getting informed and aware and they're becoming smarter and more liberated. And they're supporting these people now because mm-hmm. we need to uncover the truth in whatever form it is. Truth might hurt initially, but at least you're, you're better off than before. <laughs> yeah, it, it will hurt for sure. Especially yeah. if, you, if you are attached or you know, deeply connected with it in some way. So it sounds to me like what you have to do um, is you really have to follow your own heart. You have to follow what deeply resonates with you because Mm. we know we've been manipulated. Yeah. We're still being manipulated. I mean, I am sure you have your own opinion, but you know, I don't know what Donald Trump really thinks. I don't know what Joe Biden really thinks. I don't know. You know, we're never given the truth and that's true in religion. It's true in enlightenment. It's true about magic. It's true about God. So, so what do you think You, you have to follow uh, that that which most deeply resonates with you, or that inner voice. How do you yeah. how do you do that? I think you're gonna to need to use a combination of both, right? Because sometimes your inner voice might fool you <laughs> because okay. you don't know which voice it is. I think you need. To your, <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's, yeah, it's so do. hard, right? Sometimes yeah. your inner voice might be your need to conform. Sometimes yeah. your inner voice might be a bias that you might not know about. So I think you need to do your rational research. And find out what's like, do a lot of research, go online, read topics, read articles, you know, speak to people, which I think is a big component as well. Then once you have the information, then use your intuition to sort of read between the lines and then make a decision, uh, which, which works for me. Um, I don't like to put myself under, you know, buckets like, yeah. oh, I support Biden. I support Trump. All right. I mean, in, in certain, I'm not a supporter of Trump, but in certain aspects, I do like him. Well, he speaks mm-hmm. well. He is kind of funny on stage. Uh, <laughs> yep. You know, he, he's, a, he's a stand-up comedian in a way. So yeah. I mean, you don't have to reject the entire person. You can, you know, you can you know, like certain qualities. He, do, he does have certain qualities. He does do stupid stuff on Twitter for sure. Uh, <laughs> you know? But, no, it's uh, a very, it's a very honest and and unbiased, yeah, uh, yeah view. I, I love it. I do. Exactly. So, <laughs> uh, let's talk a little bit about how people can connect. Uh, you, you've got so much available. Um, yeah. Let's let's talk a little bit about that before I let you go. How can people connect, and and what are some of the things they can, you know, really pull from, uh, sure. concerning you? 
Sure. I mean, uh, for starters, I've got a podcast called My Seven is a Word, My Seven Chakras. So for people who are open to the truth, wanting to learn more about yoga, ancient wisdom, and most importantly, how you can relax yourself, feel better, then they can go to they can go to their favorite podcast app and just type My Seven Chakras. It's on mm-hmm. Spotify, it's on iTunes, Google. My Seven is a Word, Chakras, C-H-A-K-R-A-S. My Seven Chakras. Um, and if they want to join our Facebook group where we have these you know, uplifting conversations, I do a lot of breath work. I make these announcements. And every Saturday, by the way, for people who are new, I do a 99-cent intro workshop. So for people who are on the fence, who want to get a glimpse of what this yoga is all about, 99-cents workshop. Uh, so that's all in our Facebook group. That's my7chakras.com forward slash tribe, T-R-I-B-E, my7chakras.com forward slash tribe. It's a closed group, so hit request, and I will welcome anyone who wants to be part of our community. So I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Gosh, man, there's, I I love your website too. So let's talk about that. It's, there's a lot on there. The podcast is on there. uh, Information about you. Yeah. Um, And then more, you know, for some people, they didn't, by the way, uh, we did a podcast earlier where we just talked about the chakras and so people who don't know what those are, there's a lot of information on your website about that as well. Yeah, absolutely. And the reason why I named my show called My Seven Chakras is not specifically to talk about the chakras, but to me, chakras is our journey. It's our personal mm-hmm. journey. It's our personal evolution. And so my goal was when somebody says My Seven Chakras, they look at the mirror and they look at their image in the mirror and they realize how much potential they truly have. But not only that, how far they've come, maybe from five years back or 10 years back, and to be proud of themselves and to really love themselves, mm. right? So that was the idea behind my seven chakras. It's not about me. It's not about AJ, the one who's talking right now. It's about you. <laughs> it's about you, you know, getting to create your own journey of my seven chakras by listening to these conversations of people who have gone through darkness, but now have come out in the light. So if they can do it, you can do it too. That's the idea. Yeah, I love I love your podcast, man. Thank you, I love it. It is so good. Yeah. So AJ, thanks so much for being on again. Thank you are you. just I I mean just a bright light, man. I I just love to talk to you. So. It takes one to recognize one, you know. I love what you're doing. <laughs> I love that you're like a renegade and going and, you know, holding the, uh, the, 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 you're the bearer of light and you're shining the light on people who need it. And that's important, right? And it requires uh, courage. It requires sentience, but it also requires empathy. And so thanks a lot for doing what you're doing. Oh, thank you, man. I really appreciate that. Thank you very much. So hang on the, hang on the line for just a minute. I'm going to close it out, but I want to talk to you afterwards. Okay. Hey guys, man, what a great, what a great conversation. I, I, I just loved so many of the things that AJ had to say. And um, once again, I'm really glad to be able to bring this to you and, and uh, to just present AJ and everything that he is and his compassion and his, his intellect, his experiences. I think they're really valuable. If you want to find uh, AJ online, I think my7chakras.com 
chakras is C-H-A-R-K-A-S. So my7chakras.com is probably the best way to really make that connection because from there you can go to his Facebook, to his Instagram, to all the places he is um, on social media and find out more information. You can find his podcast on that website. And so it's really the best place to really make that connect. You know, as I listen to this conversation over, it's interesting to me how each one of us have our own lives and and our own experiences and our own expansion. And for so many of us, we're afraid of expanding. We're afraid of what it means to leave old ideologies behind, old um, fears even, or, or doctrines or theologies. It can be quite, I think, intimidating to leave some of those uh, behind. But one of the things that I've really noticed, and it's true in so many traditions, is there's an inner knowing a gnosis deep within us that continually beckons us to truth. And you simply cannot ignore that. Now, I've said this many times, so I will repeat it. I am a Christian, and and a Christian in the way of I believe in Jesus, I believe in the crucifixion, I believe in the resurrection, I believe in all of that. And at the same time, I think that there are many points of our faith that have been presented to us, interpreted to us in a way that's completely erroneous and wrong. And those things create fear. They create inhibition. They create the inability of us to let go and truly live. So I am a Christian, but you know what? I'm, I'm also a witch. I'm also a seeker. I'm also a student of the words of Buddha, a student of the words of the Tao. So my salvation is in Christ, but my expansion is influenced by so many great spiritual teachers along the way. And I would really encourage you to, you know, don't just do what I have done. Don't just listen to the words that you know, that I speak, perhaps let them be a guide or, or let them be an inspiration, but find your path, man. Find your real truth, the thing that deeply resonates with you and explore that. Um, allow that to be. Yeah, you know, I did an interesting conversation just a few weeks ago on the... Um, Christian Witches uh, Witchy Wednesday uh, YouTube. I think it's still up there and you can find it. Christian Witches on on YouTube uh, where I talked about really exploring the soul, really just allowing that truth that is within you to really come forth and really be influential in your life. Um, every great spiritual leader biblically um, follow the deep knowing within them. All right, guys. So that's it, man. I'm going to let you go. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. I'll catch you later in the week. Blessings done. (laughs) 